Okay, welcome to our, well, I guess it's kind of the second Virial USA podcast of the new season, but this is this is Alan. I'm here with Sid, and we're going to give our thoughts, which of course are always spot on, about um, the new season for Virial and uh, where we think the where we think the Yellow Submarine will will finish, where we'll prosper, and where we might not. So, welcome, Sid. Um, take it away. Hey. Hi, Alan. Good evening. And another season upon us, of course, already started on Friday and we'll be playing on Monday as well. So Mm -hmm. it looks like we're back to the four days a week, um, two days of champions, one day of the Europa League. So seven, seven days a week of matches. Um, So maybe starting just in chronological order, the Super Cup, which, uh, again, I think didn't have too many hopes up in one because of the relative unimportance of the match, but two also because of sort of where we thought the squad was. Um, I think on the balance have to be pretty happy with the, with the performance out. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think the, um, I think the concern a lot of us had was that after the preseason being disrupted by COVID and, injuries and whatnot that we would really struggle and as it turned out we we kind of um I, I think it was a fairly familiar narrative in some ways in that we struggled early on um but once we came to terms with the with the game we were certainly the better club in the second half and could have could have maybe won it um penalties are a bit of a crapshoot so I guess if we had to lose one penalty shootout I'd rather lose this one than lose the one to Man United because then we wouldn't have played this game at all yes yes (laughs) exactly my thought on that um and again interesting that um we actually were ahead Mm -hmm. uh and and I'll say as well sort of in the vein of the not taking this with too, too much importance. I think the order of the penalty takers and things was a bit sort of random. It was a bit odd. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It was a bit, so it was, I don't, it was a again, bit I don't think there was too much thought in, Oh my God, I've got to get the five best guys and in order and we got to make sure we, we kind of win this. Um, so, so I, I think that's right. Yeah. I feel Bad for Albiol um, that that it happened to be him, but all of a sudden, I mean, you have some weird outcomes here. Donny Raba is apparently our our best spot kick taker <laughs> because we seem to bring him on late in these cup, you know, European finals, and he yeah, uh, converts he, his penalty. That's right, he's well rested. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously though, I mean, we do have players like like Donny who. Um, I think it's still we have a big squad that we need to trim a bit, and and players um, like him. I I I had thought Manu Marlanis might stick around, but sounds like we may want to loan him out or something again. I mean, there's there's still a lot of movement on the squad. I think August always has some movement, but it's going to be more than usual this year because of the um, well. I mean the COVID issues with us, but also just the everything. All the international football this summer. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and I think from what I have read, 
and, and I don't think this would come as a surprise. Chakla is not is not going to be sticking around. No, for once, yeah. as uh, as the longtime number one fan on the site of signing more center backs, I feel like we actually have an appropriate number, given that we have four plus Foyd who can play there as needed. Right. Um, even Ebora has played there. But really kind of have four center backs by trade who I think you could feel comfortable with. Um, right. Given Albiol's age and my understanding with Powell, I'm not sure if this is what you've seen, Alan, but it, it seems like the deal was let him play the Super Cup and then he doesn't play until after the international break. Right, that's what I've, <laughs> that's what so, I've seen too, so. yeah. Yeah, so, I, I think so. You know, we'll be leading into Mundi and, and maybe even Cuenca in the league, you know, mm-hmm. I would think earlier than we might have expected. And certainly more rotation than even three matches without Pau and Albiol. Seems like it's almost more rotation than we had all of last season. Yeah, I think the, I think the focus, um, uh, I think one of the things that's happened is we we have um, we're sort of overloaded at both right back and left back because Foyth has turned out even you know whether we signed him to be a right back or whether we signed him to be a center back he's turned out to to be a very good right back and we still have Mario Gaspar we have uh, Ruben Pena who I don't feel is really getting a lot of playing time. Um, and then on the left side, you've got Estepinon and um, and Pedraza and Alberto Moreno. And in the preseason, we've played Alberto a little further forward, but at the same time, we're looking for a left winger. So that would seem to say that if we could bring in, um, you know, somebody from like the fellow from Bournemouth that we've been interested in, then that position would be filled and so then you'd be looking really at three left backs. So I don't I don't know. I had I thought Estepinon was maybe the odd man out. I guess I still kind of think that, but I what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I I think Pedraza if you're sa- if you're moving it's a sale for some real money because mm-hmm. I think he has turned himself, you know, from Leeds, why won't you buy him? Betty's, why won't you buy him? To oh man, he can play. And and again, I think from sort of the longtime VRL observer, it was never the skills. It seemed to be between the years mm-hmm. and maybe mm-hmm. some maturity from those spells and age or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and of course, a manager who you know maybe deploys players in, in more effective ways. Yeah, um, that could be. And, and, and I think the other thing we know is our manager who really showed confidence in him, as you may recall at this time last season, expectation was he was leaving. Mm-hmm. And it seems Emery told him, you're my guy. And uh, he certainly rewarded him for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... And I think the the real question too is I mean Estepinon has you know played really well in the Copa America for Ecuador he played he's he's been um, he was very effective in the Super Cup too 
I think the question is ultimately, though, do you? But better, better going forward than back. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, I think, better going think, forward so, than back. So, mm-hmm. so interesting point you said about Alberto Moreno. <laughs> you know, sort of. You would think that Estupinian is is more more a winger in some ways. And I feel like that's the thing. He's sort of given a little bit more free reign with Ecuador. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. kind of, uh, yes, that's your position by trade, but really we are expecting to see you in the attacking half of the field, perhaps more than the defensive half. Um, right, right. And that, that's just not, you know, that's not the case perhaps in a, in a European league. You're not going to be able to be so one-sided, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're somebody like Danny Alves or Marcelo, who is just, you know, so, so excellent at, at what they did. Mm-hmm. Again, you remember Marcelo in the past few years, it's been a significant liability right. um, that, that he has been that nature. Right. I, and I have to say, when I think of Estepinion, I mean, what I think of, if I had to say, what's a typical play of Estepinion, it would be, kind of bombing forward along the wing and putting a cross in to the box. Um, when I think of Pedraza, I think of sort of more of a, of a battling player in, uh, in midfield. Um, he's still going to try to get forward, but he's going to offer you a little more um, generally coming back, I think. So it's hard to know. I mean, I didn't, when I saw Estepinion at Osasuna, I didn't see a whole lot of him, but he was very impressive there. But my impression was sort of the same, that when you're playing for a club that kind of needs offense, you're sort of given a little more freedom to bomb forward from your left-back position. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think, I think when it comes to the left wing, Emery has decided he kind of doesn't really want the sort of Moy Gomez pinching in sort of um, left left forward who kind of narrows the play and sort of is is good in small spaces. I think he wants somebody who's a little who who can maybe beat people one on one. And I don't know that we have I think that's why he wants the the fellow from Dunjuma from Bournemouth as he sees him as that kind of player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we I think we talked about him at one point, saying l- looked a little bit interesting as mm-hmm. a kind of hanging your hat on someone so young. Um, but yeah. And obviously, they must have must have liked what they have seen. Um, right. I was mentioning as well. I guess Chakla it seems Antiveros as well as you know has has his days numbered. Marlon is like you had mentioned was a was a more interesting one. You know, I, I suppose the answer there was always Coquelin had to leave for mm-hmm. that to mm-hmm. sort of for there to be a spot, and we haven't seen head or tail of Coquelin. Not sure if that's a COVID issue or or what have you. Right, um, right. Or he tripped but, over tripped over the pattern on the, on the carpet or something. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but but again, if he's there in the squad, you know, I, I think him, you know, Capu, Trigueros, Parejo, um, you just don't Ibora, you, you don't have enough sort of games in there for for a young player. For that to really make sense, yeah, so. I, f- I feel like um, 
I feel like Manu Marlanis is sort of the loser because of Ibora getting injured and us having to buy a replacement. I think mm -hmm. if I think if um, Kapu had turned out to be kind of okay, you know, great, he sort of filled in, but you know, it turned out he he did very well. He was, he was the most valuable player in the in the Europe, Europa League final. So I think um, I think there's just with Ibora coming back and and Kapu being there and Kokolan not having moved on, given Mormonis' age, I feel like we probably want to warehouse him somewhere for another year. Um, I'm not sure, because I think the intent was always to develop him as the future sort of you know, defensive midfielder there, but I think he's just getting squeezed out by the fact that we've still got, we've got players who we thought might be good for a year or two who are still hanging on being good for longer and that's you know that's uh, that's always a tough position to be in it's like you were we talked about when Santi Cazorla left that in some ways it was a good thing because it opened up the position for younger players and I think with Abora and you know all the other players you mentioned there's just not much room for Marlanis yeah, and I had, I didn't even include Trigero sitting there. So yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, sort of yeah. right now, six-ish spots, and I mean, many mm -hmm. of those players are very similar in terms of profile. So yeah, you know, yeah. I think there was a point early in his career, I want to say in the Segunda, where there was an attempt to play Manu sort of as a sided midfielder rather mm -hmm. than more mm -hmm. central. Mm-hmm didn't work extremely well and so you know again they're just with the names mentioned again Parejo, Kapu, um, Ibora. There's a lot of, there's there a lot aren't, of center midfielders. There aren't, yeah, and, yeah. and Gokland. They're just, the, those guys are going to be central midfielders. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't play seven of them uh, in the same formation. So yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, so we'll have to see. I think that I would say Morlana is probably you know the last cut, if you will, and if there is some way to keep him, I certainly think he's done enough um, from what what we've seen and heard of the preseason, and mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. certainly no, he's very very highly rated um, right. at the club. But you know, you look at the same. It's the same. I mean, I think. Ontiveros is, eh, you know, I, there are people who really like Ontiveros. I, I have not quite seen it myself. I mean, I, when I think of him, I, yeah, he's somebody you can bring on who sort of takes on the defense very directly rather than trying to pass through it in the way that a Moy or somebody does. But I'm just not convinced that the end product is there. I, I kind of doubt that he's shown enough in the limited preseason that Emery is going to keep him around. And again, the problem is if you you start looking at players that can play in different places, well, we've got um, you know the emergence of Jeremy up front, um, Samu coming back from injury. We've got. Um, Dia, who has looked good in, in when he's played in preseason, um, that back heel assist to Gerard in the Super Cup is 
was just sublime. Um, you know, I just find it hard to think where is, you know, how many minutes is Ontiveros going to get? I, I, and the answer is basically none. Um, mm -hmm. and, and kind of, I mean, I know that uh, um, Fair Nino is also kind of in that position where it's like, well, I mean, I think he's got more possibility, but I'm not sure how how much time he gets. And then there's Paco Alcacer, do we, who has been very little in evidence in the preseason. But, mm -hmm. you know, how do we – that's a tough one. You know, how do you how – do you, you obviously want to get him playing time so that he gets comfortable, scores some goals – even if ultimately your your plan is to sell him on, you want to sell him on at good money rather than um, having him languish on the bench for a year. So I don't know. Yeah, the Alcacer one. You know, I was reading that you know the the reference to Raba coming on in the Super Cup final was. Performance based, yeah. and not not one of those. You know, okay, he's still got a knock and this, that, and the other. You know, sort of, yeah. Maba may may actually be, if if you're looking for you know some some impact for thirty minutes on mm -hmm. the field, mm -hmm. he he may be ahead of him. The the fact that is a close question, I think, is concerning um, yeah. from the. From the Paco fan club, of whom we know Zach is is the main the the main ringleader. Um, yeah, yeah, Zach is the main ringleader, and Robin is the main uh, <laughs> antagonist, I guess. Yeah, yeah but it, yeah, but it, yeah. but it's it, but, but it's true. But so, I think that one is concerning, and that that's obviously a little bit different of a case than anybody else you've mentioned because yeah. you know huge investment made, and and frankly, I think more than that. Uh, you know, Dia, I suppose, is is an attempt at, at somebody to to play that spot, but again, a, a different profile. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yes, he did score a number of goals. Obviously, a bunch were penalty, but I mean, not not a poacher. Yeah. And I mean, I think we sort of had had hung our hat on saying one of the things that this team is going to be good at is they won't need to create the same volume of chances as, you know, sort of another team, our, our peer team, call them Sociedad or Betis, because we expect to have better finishing. Yeah. Well, if Paco is not there, um, then, then I think that argument loses some of its some mm -hmm. of its muster. Yeah, it's a tough one because when I look at Paco, I see, um, I, I guess I have memories of Gio Dos Santos because he came over, you know, pretty much had had uh, done really well at Mallorca. He did well for us for, what, a year and a half or something. And after he got injured, he was never the same. I mean, he never... You know, and I don't know that it was all the injury. I mean, I think part of it may have been, you know, lack of application or whatever. But 
remember that last year that Gio was with us, it was like he would get the ball in a one-on-one with the defender and you knew nothing was going to happen. And, I, and, and it was because he didn't have the confidence to make anything happen. And I think that's the concern that that I would see with Paco is I think he's a he's an excellent he's an excellent poacher. He's excellent at putting the putting the ball in the net when he's got confidence. I'm not sure he has the confidence right now. And I don't know that's what worries me. Mm-hmm. Now, in fairness, that is a problem generally for all strikers. It, indeed. Um, indeed. But, I, but I think your your point is fair that it's lack of confidence, lack of fitness. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and then, you know, I think they're taking another look and saying, you know, you don't you don't have to have maybe his God given talent to uh, to be somebody who's a contributor. Again, yeah. we know that Baca came in, who certainly is no no Baco Akasa in terms of finishing ability and otherwise. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he was very effective, yeah. and so maybe the answer is you just need to sort of get in the right positions, and that might take three or four times. Um, but, but you know that that's worth something too. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think the so, thing again. I, I, I have to say, if Raba is an option off the bench, if if it's not a fitness thing, and again, if it was a fitness thing at some point. Yeah. You'd have to wonder, since Alcacer didn't play at all really during the preseason, aren't mm-hmm. you just sort of wasting a a spot in the on the bench if you're not even going to play him in that kind of situation? Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. That that one that one I think does does worry me. That yeah. He didn't even yeah. get a chance to be in the game there. Yeah, I think the um, you know the 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 thing that we were looking at last year is that. We were really reliant on Gerard, and he's a great player. I mean, we we all love him, but you know, relying on one person is not. When you've got one player who is involved, either creating or scoring something like twenty four goals in a row that you score, that's probably not the best balance. And I think we were hoping, we're hoping this year to find something that's a little. Where we, we have where we don't have to rely so much on him so that's kind of that's kind of where I am a little bemused that we haven't made more we haven't made more moves but on this by the same token it's been a weird um, preseason for everybody not just for us I mean I think and I think covid the the covid financial um, knock-on is still affecting a lot of teams so that we're trying to look at you know, okay, are we really okay loaning this player out for a year rather than selling them? Because it seems pretty clear that apart from, you know, a, a, an offer for POW or something, you're not going to get the sort of movement in the 10, 15 million euro range that you might have gotten before. You're more likely to get a sale or a, or a, a loan with an option to buy for that this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, because I I definitely think there's some market speculation going on to say, you know, prices are at a low now, and there's an expectation I think people have that they will rebound. Mm-hmm. So that sort of 
loan with option to buy, I think there's there's some thought of well, if values rebound, we want to make sure we sort of haven't haven't agreed to the bargain rate price that it might be this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you make? One thing I'm interested of. What do you make of looking for a keeper? <laughs> well, that's an interesting one. I mean, I think we there was it was definitely some discussion on the site last year, and I think that we actually had some. Um, I think Zach actually, and some maybe somebody else actually came up with some some data that suggested that Asenho was not. I mean, the eye test was that Asenho was not playing as well as he had the last couple of years, and I think that's what the data showed. Um, I, you know, I kind of view it though as. And, and to note for for listeners that he's he will be in the last year of his contract. You, that's right. That's right. Um, He'll be in the last. And year. obviously, we just signed Ruli last year, so mm-hmm. has has a few years left on his. Yes, and I think. I mean, I think the two. Th- I think two things. I think one is is that 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 Asenho didn't seem to be as good as he. I I remember more goals given up last year where he was, you know, potentially at fault than I remember in in previous years. Um, so if you look at his reaction, he is never at fault. Well, there yeah. is somebody. There is <laughs> There's somebody always somebody he's clapping and yelling at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should have done this. <laughs> yes, right. he's, he's, yeah. he's, uh, the, the, the but, classic picture of a goalie. Of a goalie, but but I think the other thing is is I think he's a. Emery definitely wants players to be able to play out from the back more, and I and Asenho's, um his strength has never been, has never been his distribution. So I think. I don't view it as a serious need that we need to fill for next year, particularly because I think Ruli is. I'm. I think the jury's still out on him, but but I think he's certainly certainly competent enough. I sort of view it as well. If the opportunity came, we might grab it. You know, so that was why you know if we thought Barcelona needed money and needed to get rid of Neto or whatever, we might be interested. I don't. I'd be surprised if we signed somebody in the next month, but you never know, or next 15 days, but you never know. Um, I, it just seems an odd place to spend money, given that we just spent money on Ruli the year before, though. It does, and, and I think it's interesting, you know, when we're talking about Paco as well, that that's a sort of similar situation where, you know, the outlay of money perhaps was... Maybe maybe not exactly what we would have chosen to do, um, the, depending on who had, who had been the one making decisions at that point in time. So well, I, interesting to yeah. I mean, I'm remembering the podcast where I think you and Robin and I anyway talked about Paco and and it was sort of a. I I guess I felt I think our conclusion was it was sort of a business decision where we were looking at somebody who we were picking up for lower than what we thought their value in the market was as long as they continued to progress as a player. And the problem is that over the last 
year, I would say, with, with his injuries and whatnot, we haven't seen that progression. So at what point do you do you say, okay, well, we spent $18 million or whatever it was on you, and now the amortized value of your contract is down to 12 and if we can sell you for 12 we'll be happy. I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't think we're there yet, but I think the question, I, I think those sorts of questions have to be things that the front office is looking at. Um, mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I think that's where that, you know, we're, we're in a good position compared to a lot of other clubs in terms of our management and everything else, but we don't have the, we don't have the ability to just carry somebody on the roster forever who's not who's not contributing so you know i hope paco isn't listening to this and if you know <laughs> but i mean i think i think you have to say that you know we don't know what we're going to get out of him in the next year and and i think that's got to be a real question that the team is looking at mm -hmm. and and i think to your point and i think we we have talked about this a few times you know other teams can afford to miss. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that was one, obviously, our record signing. But, you know, just generally speaking, somebody on wages that high yeah. couldn't afford to miss. Right. Um, and, you know, the, that was why, and, and don't want to sort of tie all the situations to one another, Um but I think if you just had Baca, maybe Baca stays this year. I think part of the issue with Baca is you have Baca and Paco, mm -hmm. and you're mm -hmm. looking at both of them saying highly sort of declining assets, um, age, wages, big factors here, uh, which one's going to be easier to get out of, the guy that was our record signed, or the guy with a year left on the contract who, you know, has probably enough cachet that he'll land on his feet as he did. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But again, I don't think if you looked at the performance, I think Baca did exactly what we sort of would have asked of the, you know, 20 game a year striker. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think, again, mm -hmm. the problem was he needed to be last year competing at, you know, he needed to be the number two. Right. And that was just not, that's, that's not where he is in his career. Well, and I think the other, th I think the other thing is I view Baca a bit like Soldado where we, there were a couple of players that we picked up um, around that time for where we did contracts where they got really high wages in return for a lower transfer fee. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think with Soldado, I mean, we gave him an offer, you know, he, I think, I'm sure Baca had this too, that they could basically buy themselves out of the contract at a discount because it was going to save us so much money. Soldado did that. Um, Baca didn't, but, you know, agreed to, a, to basically a buyout now with just one year left. So I think mm -hmm. in some ways with both of them, it was like, okay, we kind of need to, you're looking at it from a financial standpoint, and I, I hate to do that because football is football, and I, you know. But 
but from a financial standpoint, I think those bet enters into it too. As you're saying, okay, what's the what's the contract that I really need to shed in order to move on? Um, and I think with Paco, there's still a chance that that he can recover and and be the guy that, that you know you thought it, you hoped he was going to be and and uh, whatnot. But with Baca, given his age and his and his declining um, ability to just play minutes, you were pretty much stuck. I think with with um, him being the odd one out. Um, of course, I don't know that we counted on Granada signing him or him. We have to face him in the first match of the season, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is probably so, a good a good segue into predictions for the season, isn't it? So yeah, let, yeah, yeah. So let's take a very brief break, and then we'll come back and do that. Okay, take it away, Sid. <laughs> so the season. And Champions League football, and I would expect a perhaps um, well, fair question. We'll see where the Copa comes in, but yeah, and you know, I, 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 I don't expect <laughs> a a Champions League final run this year. So depending on what kind of draw we get and where we end up, the one one never knows in a knockout tournament. Right. Um, but if if it's the case where we are not you know deep deep into the Champions League, uh, will be interesting to see what kind of attention we put into the cup. Um, well, maybe let's just do, and and we've done done this over the past few years, kind of. Where where do we sit? What tier are we yeah. in at this point in time? Yeah. Well, let's. Okay. I mean, we. I, I think as I look at the are league, the top four the top four? Maybe let's start with that question. The I, same top four again. This uh, season. yeah. I think the top four are still the same top four, although I can see a. Um, I can see a Barcelona implosion after Messi leaving, but I think that's wishful thinking more than anything else. I can't see them dropping mm-hmm. out of the top four. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to see, for example, PK agreed to cut salary to allow them to register Memphis and Eric Garcia. So yeah, yeah, that was something we were talking about on the last podcast. Right. I think they have, they I think have found some have found different some, route around it. Yeah. I think um, I think the top three are probably still the top three. I'm I have to confess I haven't paid enough attention to Sevilla. Um, I feel like in some ways Sevilla are a bit like us in that let's see what their draw in the Champions League is because I don't think they have a terribly deep squad. Um, so I think they're going to have to make the same sort of decisions as far as where do we prioritize our assets. Um, I think Lopetegui is an excellent coach. He's done well for them. I guess the question I have with Sevilla is not a, it's nothing in particular I can point to. It's sort of a, 
metaphysical one of it feels like you're kind of overachievers year after year after year and at some point are you going to fall back to where you ought to be which I see more like sixth um, I don't know um, so yeah I, I think it's a fair point I think Sevilla at sort of they've 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 turned their model a little bit mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. their their model used to be sort of trying to rely on some of these market inefficiencies I almost see they've gone a little bit more like the model we had at one point, where they are looking at players in other big leagues and kind of saying who is underutilized, mm -hmm. undervalued. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Papu Gomez, Asuso, for example, was really, really the one I was thinking of. Right. Where sort of, you know, I think the name and the talent was there. But based on the prior performance, it had been devalued. Right. Um, maybe right. call it somebody like a Forlan, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. they were just able to come in at a bad moment, yeah. and I think you know yeah. get a decent price for a very good player. Um, right. But again, that was not you know their model used to be more like the Koundé model, which mm -hmm. is go into France, sort of take advantage of the market inefficiency in terms of pricing there right. and then just sell it on. Right, um, right, right, right. And I so th I think the problem for them, like you said, has been they haven't been finding as many of those. And maybe yeah. that's the yeah. market getting smarter um, or it just being harder to hit that maybe in this environment. Yeah, it and is. And so, for I mean, example, they yeah. haven't actually completed the Kunde sale and how much that'll be and where it'll go. And so yeah. that has sort of uh, hindered them. Now, they, <laughs> their, their business with Spurs, though, you know, Lamella, mm -hmm. I, I don't even think you'll get 15 different answers on him, but it sure seems like getting a lot of money plus Lamella for Brian Heal seems to be a, a pretty, pretty solid piece of business. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, I think Sevilla are, they, you know, they, they run very well. I mean, Monchi, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's the best at, at this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But I do think that when I look at their, when I look at their roster, yeah, you know, I see a, I see a, a number of aging players there, and I think the it's it's not hard to see them finishing fourth. It's hard to see them finishing better than fourth. It's easier to see them finishing worse than fourth. In my mm -hmm. opinion, well, to Zach's point, if you look at the roster, I don't know on paper that it's necessarily better than ours. Yeah, yeah, and I think that wasn't the case as of a few years ago. That's right. So I definitely right. think it's gotten closer. Yeah. 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 They they seem to have a way in the old, you know, Emery Valencia Sevilla days that mm -hmm. they just seem to find ways to pick up the extra two points or the extra one point when all looks hopeless. And, you know, over the course of the season you look up and that's ten points. 
Um, well, they, well, they do. And, although, and, and we still haven't had that sort of. Yeah. It seems like yeah. the ugly. You know, maybe maybe if you want to call it that, the the win at the Emirates, or not the win, but the aggregate win. Yeah. But maybe maybe that was sort of an example of sort of what you would look to and say if you can do that. That maybe is the way you can pick up ten points in the league. If you can make sure your performances, even when you don't sort of offer things going forward, mm-hmm. um, if you're able to put in that consistent work, effort, structure, um, that is what gets you higher in the table over you know a nine month season. Well, that's right, I, I, and I think it comes down to as we've said year after year after year, regardless of who's coaching Villarreal, you know, we, we play pretty well against the top teams in the league um, with the possible exception of Barcelona, though I'm hopeful that will change. But where we struggle, where we give away points is in these matches to the teams that are down near the bottom of the table. And, you know, that's what makes the difference in the end because Sevilla historically you don't find many times when they lose to teams that are in the bottom five, say. And we have historically struggled with that. So I think that's the that's a big question. I will say, though, that I think it'll be interesting to see how the Champions League plays out, um, how the group stage draw goes, and how teams fare. Because I could see if, for example, if Villarreal um, end up or let's just say if one of the two teams ends up going into the um, knockouts and the other one doesn't, um, even if the other one ends up dropping into the Europa League, I, I just think there's a difference. I mean, at the end of the day, the Europa League title is great if it gets you into Champions League and you're not already there. But otherwise, it, it you know, it's it's... It's the same. It's a, it's a lot of effort for a lot less reward. Um, so if it turns out that that um, Sevilla are say drop into the Europa League and and we don't, or well, it doesn't really matter what we do. If Sevilla drop into the Europa League, I could see them prioritizing the league over that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Where I think with us, if we dropped into the Europa League, I don't know. I don't know if we would prioritize it or not, but I think we would. I think it'll be interesting to see how the Spanish teams fare in the Champions League draw because there are five of us. We can't meet each other in the group stage. So, mm-hmm. you know. and also remember that despite our coefficient, because we won the Europa League, we're in pot one. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, pot one is a lot weaker than pot two <laughs> um, overall, because pot one has Lille in it um, as the French mm-hmm. champions, and, and pot two has Paris Saint-Germain in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I know which one I'd rather play. Um, right. Yeah. Right. So... Um, so, so I think those four. Yeah, well, and 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 I think worth noting just when we were, when we talk about sort of relative differences, difference two years ago when we finished fifth to Sevilla's fourth was ten points. Yeah. Last year it was a whopping nineteen points with mm-hmm. two other teams in between, but even fourth to fifth, 
Real Sociedad 62, 15 points behind Sevilla. So you are really asking a lot to be able to sort of climb that mountain if you are still assuming that Sevilla is the target. So do you do you see fourth place being realistic, Alan, for Villarreal this season? Uh, I probably don't unless we. I mean, we could get we could get it, but I think it kind of requires catching lightning in a bottle to some degree. I think we have mm-hmm. to hope that we get you know maybe the partnership between Bulai Dia and Gerard is incredible, a la Neilmar Rossi of years ago. Maybe um, Samu comes back and is kind of unplayable again. I don't know, but yeah, it's a lot to make up. I think the I think realistically, I don't see it happening unless there's some existential, you know, Sevilla backs off in the league because they're doing really well in Champions or something. You know, I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting question is where there's a second tier of teams and I think this is where it gets more interesting in, ter- in terms of where you put where you put numbers five through nine for example or who you think they are I think Villarreal would probably hope to be um, in there at number five um, mm-hmm. La Real mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the issues I have with La Real is they're very dependent on a few players I think and maybe don't have enough squad depth to maintain things over the long term, including Europe. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. so, and the David Silva experiment did not go particularly well last season. Yeah, so we'll yeah, see. So we'll, we'll see what we'll comes see. this year. I, I, I feel like a lot of... And Betis are another club where I feel like they haven't really... Everybody's gotten a year older, but I don't know that that anything has really happened to make them better. I felt like Betis last year really benefited from the fact that they, they were only playing in the league, so they didn't have a lot else to do. Um, and I'm kind of expecting them to fall back a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Now, they did they did get Rui Silva from Granada, mm-hmm. um, who yeah, would have certainly keeper. been yeah, my keeper. first choice in terms of a keeper on the market. Um yeah, it would have been my first choice until I saw the guy that I can't pronounce it, Valencia, had on their B team who started against Satafe. I mean, it was like, I thought I was watching the uh, Copa del Rey all over again, where that Comillas keeper kept denying us. I mean, he was incredible. But, but yeah, I mm. think, um, hard to know. I mean, I just don't see that much difference between a lot of the teams in that middle tier. I mean, I you know... Celta mm-hmm. seems to have had a good preseason, good good signings and stuff. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, that's that's the one I'm looking at. That, yeah, that but on it, the other it hand, it would seem teams, like at some point, with that much, you have to put it together. Yeah, but I but I keep seeing reports that there's some sort of rift that I don't totally understand between the club or the coach and the and the agent for some of the players, and now. Denis Suarez wants out and stuff like that. So I don't know. You know, it, it, they, they do seem like a team that if, that I think part of it is they've always seemed a team that if they could get it together, could be a top seven team easily. Um, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, of course, years ago they were. Um, mm-hmm. It just seems like I, I tend to agree with you. Others are taking a step back. 
Um, I think the other one, though, of, of note is do we think full year of Marcelino mm. means that Athletic put it together? The squad is just so limited, though. Yeah. That, 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 that seems <laughs> just, you know. Yeah. Again, Marcelino, I, can he get somebody to buy in for a whole season? Sure. Um, but but even if he does, what is the ceiling on that team? It just seems yeah, hard to me to imagine top six is actually doable. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of friends who are fans of F Athletic Club because we've got a big Basque supporters group out here in San Francisco, and I love them and everything. Um, I But, yeah, I'm kind of pessimistic. I, I guess it's just that historically... Again, it's like it's hard when you're when you're. Yes, you're developing Basque talent. Yes, the Basque region is is one of the football football hotbeds in Spain, but you're still limited. And I and I, I'm not arguing that they should ever change that. I I think it's I I think there are a lot of good reasons for that, but it does mean that you're kind of reliant to to, to do really well on kind of a couple of players having really great years. Um, Adariz, I think, was a great example of that. And I, I'm not as negative on Inyaki Williams as Zach is. I mean, I, but, but I don't think he's the kind of player that, when I look at their team, I just don't see enough around him. I mean, Munayin is older, and it's like I kind of feel like he's hit his ceiling. I just don't see a lot of, a lot of, um, they'll defend, you know, like the Lions that they are. They'll be difficult to beat at San Mames. I just don't see them picking up that many points when they go on the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think maybe one last team to note, and, and unfortunately, in my feelings, it's not Granada this year. I see that team moving perhaps in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, full credit to you last it, year. You called them. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but I, I think the the one I'm interested in is, and we'll call it two, the two teams that played to open the league, Valencia with Bordelas, and I think Valencia is more mentioned because we have to mention Valencia. Mm-hmm. I'm actually interested in what Hetafe has done um, because I feel like maybe losing Bordelas has allowed them to actually, you know, it always seemed like they wanted to get past the we're just going to kick you all the time phase. And I think some of their moves have actually been pretty interesting. What what are your your quick thoughts on those two teams? Again, feeling like we have to talk about our neighbors, though yeah. I, I would not. I, I'd say I'd be shocked if if they're in a Europa League place. I can't imagine they'll struggle like they did last year. But um, I, I'd be very surprised if they could put a you know fifteen plus point improvement season together. Yeah, I, I actually saw most of that Valencia Hatafe match, and um, I mean, uh, I think I still think Valencia's got 
I mean, the problem is you still don't know if they're going to keep some of their best players through August. I mean, you know, you don't. Mm-hmm. That is, I hear Donnie Voss wants to leave, etc. Yeah, I mean, it's just the the ownership and lack of. I mean, that's that's a continuing problem. But yeah, I mean, I think the. I think I can. Uh, I don't see. I'd be I'd be shocked if they got into Europe also. Um, I don't. I don't think they'll struggle. I think they'll be a mid-table team probably. Um, they've got some good players, but the problem is, it. I mean, watching the match, it was like okay. The difference in that game to me was that even being a man down, Valencia had some dangerous players who could create problems. Now, granted, they the penalty that they won to get their goal was an absolute joke. I mean, in my view, but. Um, but they still have players that you look at and you, and you look at them and you see, you say, okay, Guedes, Soler, um, Gaia, um, you know, these guys are, these guys are, are, um, really, you know, quality players. The problem with Hatafe is I just don't, I mean, yeah, I want to say that they've, that they've, are trying to move on from border loss, but I just think their roster is really limited uh, in spite of some of the players they've signed. I just, I felt like with, um, in the first half when they didn't have Cucciarella out there, they had no idea how to play football. In the second half, they had a little bit more idea, but I, I don't know. I, I think I picked them as one of my teams to be relegated because I just don't, maybe that's because I don't like them, but I just, I just don't see a lot there. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe more names than than current form. It would be interesting to see if the likes of Vitolo, Sandro, Alinha, yeah. Kukurea, if he stays, which yeah. I hear is, is up and down. Even in Hines Unal, not playing in just the sort of, you know, we'll cross it to you 35 times. Can you make something of it? System. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I and don't then know. they also I... signed an interesting player from Chivas, Jose Macias, um, who, who had been pretty successful from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, interesting. Again, I can't imagine he signs there if Bordelas is still the manager. No, I so think. So uh, yeah. that was interesting to yeah, me as yeah. well in terms of I the mean, profile. I, I, I use. I guess part of it with Hatafe is that it's just hard from, I feel like, I mean, maybe it could happen, but I feel like that for a team like that to be successful over the course of a season, they've got to de- to really develop a buzz around them. I mean, Bordelas, for whatever you say about his coaching style and his approach to football, there was a definite buzz. I'm not sure if that's there now, and I don't know... You know, I could see. I would think Valencia is going to finish higher in the table, but you know. Mm. Um, All right, I'm taking a wager on that one with you. Okay. So now, looking at the bottom, what what do you see? So the teams that came up again are Espanol, which I, you know, I'd like to think that was a blip, and and they they should be somewhat comfortable in in staying up. Would you agree? I think I think they probably will. I don't I don't know that they're that great, but I think there are certainly three or four or five teams worse than they are. 
Um, I think everybody seems to be tipping Eltra to go down, and I think it's hard to argue against that because they they barely stayed up last year. And much as I know you you like their fans from you know visit from when they came to Virial and you were there, um, what eight years, nine, seven years, eight years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, I think it's hard to see them staying up just because I just don't see that much talent in the roster. You know, it, it's hard to see mm-hmm. it. Um, I think Alaves' time has come as well. No, it, see, it this is, like, see, Alaves, I'm going to disagree, and maybe it's because I like Callejo, but I, I don't know. They've, they've made some interesting. Um, They've made some interesting moves in the summer. I think they'll be okay. I mean, I don't, to be honest, I think okay for them is, is probably staying up. But I think they're not, they're not terrible. I mean, if you look at the the last couple of years, they've always started off badly. And then they've gotten better. And I think, I, I kind of think Kaiha might, um, might be okay for them. They've, you know they've they've got our um, Ivan Martin on loan. They've got uh, mm-hmm. they have Florian Lejeune back from Newcastle or wherever he was, and I think they mm-hmm. I think they're Tomas Pina. Tomas Pina is still around. Yeah, I I yeah I think they're okay. I, I think they'll be all right. I think um, Bio would seem of, of the three promoted teams, and yeah, you know Mallorca also went on the yo-yo. Of course, it, it seems like that sort of yeah. uh, data-driven approach uh, of the of the U.S. owners there will be will be interesting to see if it keeps them up. I think also that one right could be could be interesting of how much the home field advantage yes. ends up playing through Thanks a whole for. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I think Rio was probably Rio were probably going to have a hard time. Um, just again, you look at their roster, and over the course of 38 matches, it's hard to hard to see it working. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Elche and Rio would probably be my two biggest picks to go down. I mm-hmm. honestly don't mm-hmm. know um, what my third would be. I'm not thinking Alaves though. Um, hmm. Well, let me think a minute about that. I, you know, I, I feel like um, we should probably talk about the other um, Valencia club too, Levante, who who had a kind of a disappointing draw today, conceding in the at the end. But I think they'll probably be okay. I don't know. I mean, Cadiz doesn't strike me. I as mean, a, as Levante's a, got the same situation they did last year, right? Again, still European level attack more or less and relegation level defense. defense. Yep. Yep. <laughs> if, so, so yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised they struggled as much as they did last year. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think, um, I guess I would kind of wonder about Cadiz just because often, how, how often are you going to win with 20% possession? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, you also look at, there are team. I mean, when teams come up from the Segunda and survive, I mean, obviously the first thing is surviving the first year, but then it's kind of building on that, and I don't see, 
I don't know. I just don't see a lot there to excite me. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the I think the relegation race might be um, might be interesting. I think um, I'm really not. I, I don't know. I'm really pessimistic about Hatafe, and, and uh, I think Elche um, and I think Mallorca. Rio, I think we're probably are probably destined to go down. Mallorca, eh, pro- I, I kind of feel like they'll probably barely stay up. Um, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a tough one. I think that, you know there are a bunch of teams like um, Osasuna um, uh, are probably going to be okay. They'll they'll finish mid table, something like that. You know, um, maybe twelfth or thirteenth kind of seems to be their pinnacle of achievement, but I think they'll probably be okay. Um, Granada, talking about... There was a time, Alan, they actually made the Champions League. Yeah, but that was a long time ago. It was. Um, Granada, to think about our opponents tomorrow, yeah, it's an interesting one for them. I mean, they lost uh, Ruiz Silva... Who was you know excellent keeper for them? Um, I don't know. I see them sliding back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll slide I think back that's safe the to releg- say and, I don't see them sliding manager, back into relegation. Manager leaving as well. Yeah, so. I think that's the big question I have with them. Is is you know was were they kind of a product of that manager and and that squad? And are they really going to struggle this year without with so many changes? I don't know. I'd like to put them on the. I'd like to get them um, off to a bad start on Monday. I know that. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting, though, that Robert Moreno. You know, the the whole way that went down really mm-hmm. made him out to be a lot a, a lot more of the villain than clearly he ever seemed to be. Yeah. Um, if yeah. if the facts that we seem to know are true. So it is an interesting one in the sense, you know, he was at Monaco and, okay, you know, more resources there. Certainly less pressure, though. You know, no expectation to win the league, uh, given what PSG is spending. Comes back to Spain. Really yeah. feel like he might have a chip on his shoulder, but I feel, as you say, that he's somewhat limited by the squad that he's inheriting. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, there, there's there's enough there. It just seems like over the course of a season, it might be challenging to to get that into a top six or seven place. Yeah, I think realistically for them, I don't I don't see that. I think I think the thing also is you look at some of these squads and they're. I mean, Granada has some very good talent in some positions. In others, when you look at their starting eleven, it's sort of make weight. And I think those mm-hmm. um, teams are going to be very reliant on their best players to stay healthy and stay out of um, stay out of you know catching COVID and everything else. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think Moreno certainly has a chip on his shoulder, um, desire to prove himself after. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so we took a short inadvertent break there. Um, 
So, yeah, I think Moreno's definitely got a chip on his shoulder and will have a desire to prove himself. I'm not sure that the squad is going to help him a lot, though. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I, I don't I don't see them... They always score goals and look good against us, though, in fairness. Oh, Particularly in fairness. Particularly at yeah. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think for for Monday? Good question. Um, I think I was probably a little bit more pleasantly surprised that defensively seems like we got a bit overrun. Call it the first half hour, um, but just to me, the fact that that was a one up on the board uh, against Chelsea gives mm -hmm. me more confidence, perhaps, than I had. Mm -hmm. uh, in in the back line, um, you know, going forward again, I I, I find that this is going to be here. It's going to be hard to to post a clean sheet against us as well. Um, you know, opening match tends to have a lot of draws, but I'm going to be on a positive foot that we will will get a two one here okay. uh, and, okay. and get started on the right foot. Yeah, okay. I think I, I predicted 3-1, but I, I kind of thought you were going to come down for something like 3-2 because these these two are always um, scoring a bunch of goals. I mean, I remember that 4-4 match to start off the season a few years ago. Yeah, um, Virial actually haven't had much success in their opening match a lot of years, and that's partly because we've often played away a lot. So um, I'd have to go back and rem remember when the last time we won at home was but yeah I think we should win this 3-1 and I, I think I it's um I think partly it's it's going to be very exciting for the team you know they're going to bring the Europa League trophy to show to the fans that are there they're going to have fans back in the seats so I I think I'd be really surprised if we're anything other than really up for this match mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not so sure should be an interesting season, and I think, like you say, we probably have a debrief to have once the transfer window closes, because the winger, potentially the keeper, um, lightning some of the places in the squad, if that lightning does occur, does mm -hmm. it mean potentially at one or two of the places a new signing gets made? I think there's still more more questions than answers perhaps. And then, you know, with some of these key injured or absent players in the, of the likes of Paco, Samu, Parejo, um, you know, getting some idea of where they are in the next 15 days, I think will also be relevant in mm -hmm. terms of mm -hmm. where we end up in the market. Yeah. And so. I think the other, the other question I have, and I'm looking to see what it is, is, when is the Champions League draw? Because I think that's going to be interesting to see too. When we mm -hmm. that is the, group, the, draw, the draw date is August twenty sixth. We don't start mm -hmm. playing in the group stage until September, but we'll know by the end of August what we're facing. And I think that's going to be that that uh, will also be interesting to see in terms of how we evaluate things. So we'll. Certainly get back together once that's done and once the transfer window's shut and do that. So, all right, sounds great. With that, we'll close up and Davant Villarreal.
and the Van Veriel. Europa League champions, I might add. 